Hey, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Our show's title tonight is Our Lord, Savior, and King Jesus Christ. Got a lot to talk about, but first let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, seek you and love you and uh, need your spirit to guide us and pray that we will uh, seek you in spirit and truth. Discard the things that are uh, useless and uh, help us to uh, understand you and uh, more intimately each and every time we talk about you, that your spirit will reveal more and more of you to us. And uh, we pray for this as we discuss all things uh, about religion and faith and Christianity tonight. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, remember, you can access and download a number of four books right now. Um, ebook or uh, PDF. There's also some audio books. If you go to hotm.tv, just scroll down to the bottom. I think it says a free gift from Sean. There's four that you can click on and they automatically come to you anywhere in the world. Uh, also know that we support several other ministries out there that you might consider checking out. And, uh, and uh, we've showed spots for them in the past which we'll do again, but I just wanted to let you know you can see them and read about them on the site as well. Uh, we strongly endorse two musical artists, Steve Utley and Mallory McCraney. It's, Allery, it's actually Mallory Lundqvist, but uh, she goes by Mallory McCraney. Awesome music, completely different styles. Check them out on Bandcamp, and then also just type their name and all the other ways, and you'll probably discover that their music's available at iTunes, Spotify, etc., etc., etc. So uh, check that out. Next week, we have a pastor, Nathaniel Taylor, who is coming to the show to explain why his approach to the faith is the best on the face of the earth and uh, perhaps defend some of his views. It won't be a debate, but just talking like we do. He's a reformed uh, pastor, uh, educated, highly educated. I had lunch with him several months ago when he, uh, we talked about coming on the show. He's the pastor of Hidden Valley Ranch Church. Just kidding. Hidden Valley Church. Hidden Valley Church in Draper. And uh, so we pray that that will be a, a, be <coughs> a beneficial time. That's March 13th. Hold on for a second. Um, just want to talk about a couple things off the cuff. That one kind of off the cuff. Um, there's a man who used to do a ministry here in Utah, and it was on the radio in, in many different places, and his name's Andy Poland, and Andy ran a ministry called Concerned Christians out of Phoenix. He's a friend of mine, and uh, he stopped being involved in that ministry, and then he fell into some depression. He's married to Lori. He has five kids, and uh, so it's been about three years, and I had heard several times that he had fallen into depression. And so we talked on the phone three times. Uh, one time, the first time that we talked, he was very surly. Um, and I think it was because of my coming out on the Trinity and stuff. And he being former Mormon and now Christian, you know, he, he, has, uh, he had his views and things. But then uh, we talked again another time about his state of being depressed and how difficult it was for him. And then a third time about uh, four months ago. <clears throat> and then I heard uh, through social media that Andy took his life last week, um, father of five. Um, <clears throat> the sad thing about it, um, to me, of course, losing Andy uh, to the pressures of this world and to depression is always sad when anybody uh, passes. But... 
some idiot um, on Disgracebook named Russ Balls, he says, uh, I read on Facebook that a good friend took his own life yesterday. He writes, how dare you? You don't get to cause that kind of pain in your own family. They have to live with your decision. First of all, he proves himself, I'm sorry, to be an idiot by the fact that he is addressing someone who has passed on Facebook. Uh, secondly, he addresses him in a uh, condescending way and uh, corrects him for having the audacity, the uh, selfishness to take his own life. I tend to uh, see suicide in the opposite way, that if somebody who has five children, who are ranging from 22 down to 14, and they are married to the same wife, and they know the weight of taking your own life, that has kept them around a long time, for someone to take their life meant that they were really seriously in trouble. That it's not that they were so cavalier that they just thought of themselves, but instead the fact that he was a man who had five kids and his wife and he was involved in Christian uh, apologetics, etc., tells me that Andy was really suffering, greatly suffering. And that's what leads people to, to do that, for the most part. I'm sure there are other cases for selfish revenge, but generally speaking, you really have to be messed up uh, in your heart and mind to take your own life. And so uh, I believe Andy is in complete uh, good hands of the Lord and no judgment upon him uh, from him, I don't believe, or from me, uh, or I don't think from anybody else. But this is just one of those cases when, when are we going to wake up? When will Christians t shut their mouths? I mean, I, I said last week I'm never going to use the F-bomb again, and now I'm really being challenged <laughs> because, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, that, that Christians think they can look at another person who chooses to end their life and judge them in any way, shape, or form. I could see getting on Facebook and saying, hey, our friend is gone. We want to help his family in any way. Let's get together. Let's form a group. Let's send money. Let's do it. I can see that. But the other side, it's so sad that Andy has uh, left us. We will reunite with him uh, very soon. But it's even more sad of how some people are handling that uh, loss of a Christian brother who did so much good in the cause of Christ. Last week, we really got some blood pumping. Uh, almost all the responses have been positive. Uh, I used the F-bomb as a tool. I used it to get my point across. And my point, the reason I did this was because, listen, if we're going to be in church and in the faith and criticize people's appearances for whatever reason, that is a fleshly approach to the faith. So what I did was I showed you my fleshly approach to the faith. That's all I did. If on one hand we're going to start judging people for all sorts of different things in our flesh, then I will be a Christian of flesh too. And boy, it gets really ugly, doesn't it? See, the flesh doesn't work. And that was my point in, in illustrating it in that way. Um, but it, the, I did get one uh, re response that caused me to stop, and I'm going to respond to it. It's from a man named Benjamin. Now, I have met Benjamin. In fact, uh, I've even gone to Benjamin's home, to the home of he and his husband, 
and Benjamin has been here at campus um, with his husband, and he was welcomed and embraced as a gay married man, loved and welcomed by everybody. Uh, the fact that he was gay and married to another man was not something that sort of kind of got out of the bag when Benjamin came to campus. Uh, Benjamin made it known in loud and living color. Um, so we have to put up with people like that, don't we? Uh, that um, people who take their pet special interest, I'm a Republican, I'm a, Dem I'm a Libertarian, I'm liberal, I'm a car collector, I get tattoos, I'm a womanizer, I'm LGBTFTYXN. Everybody, their little pet thing, and they get to go and just announce to the world that that's what they are, right? So, uh, whatever it is, they make it the prevailing topic of almost every conversation, and this is Benjamin. His gayness takes over every single conversation you have. Oh, this isn't going to be politically correct. No, because you can't talk this way anymore, but I can. And, and so, I, he had some things to say about last week's show. Now, remember, I've been to his house to hear his story. I've sat in his kitchen and talked with Benjamin, and he, he knows me personally. He's been to campus. Well, he says, so I saw Sean's latest rant about being obese, and I agree that being overweight doesn't mean you can't be a righteous, loving Christian and that Jesus accepts you no matter what size you are. However, once again, Sean is showing us he is completely homophobic and his dislike for gay people. In his rant, he yells out that if you have genetic predisposition to be gay, Jesus fixes that. If you are genetically predisposed to be fat, Jesus accepts that. That's a big difference. Sean, I am gay. Yes, Benny. We know you're gay. We get it. You make it known everywhere you go, Benny. Bravo for your gayness. I mean, like, what do you need? A parade every week? Because you are gay? I mean, is that what it is, Benny? That, that's what you want from this world? So he says, being gay is not a sin. Jesus does not care one whit whether I am gay or straight. He loves me just as uh, deeply and completely as he loves you or any other of his children. So let me address Benny's comments directly and clearly. There are always, there are many, many ways where being obese or skinny or hammer-toed or gay are similar when it comes to the faith. There, there are many, oftentimes, I believe, some people disagree with this, but I believe in many cases, these are the results of genetics. And, uh, and in that way, we're talking about a similar thing, genetics. And I have always maintained that all people of every genetic type and kind and lifestyle ought to be welcome in the body of Christ by the grace of Jesus Christ proffered them by God. No problem. No problem. Okay? So let this be clear. Benny's saying repeatedly that I prove my homophobia and dislike for gay people is unfounded both in my, in my regular uh, social life with people, out in the world, and in ministry too. That's completely unfounded. I'm not going to let him do that. I'm not going to justify myself, though, and my relationships to the LGBT people in any way to prove to them that I love them 
more than I love anybody else. You are people. That's what it is. You're not a gay person. You're a person who happens to be gay. You get the difference? So, again, all people of every type, walk, and way are loved and accepted by me in our ministry. Benny knows this. But what Benny wants from me, what many people want in the Christian faith, Benny wants me to say homosexuality is not a sin. That is what the demand is today. Homosexuality is not a sin. And um, they keep pushing until Christians say it's not a sin, it's not sinful. Stay with me. Sin... Harmarsia in the Greek merely means missing the mark. God has a target. He has a bullseye. Let's just put it this way. And the bullseye is the mark. When you miss the mark, that is harmarsia. That is sin. The act of human gluttony is a sin because it misses the mark that God has for his creations. But that sin is taken care of by his son, and gluttons are saved by grace. Therefore, we do not judge others' uh, appearance who appear to be gluttonous because they're overweight uh, or engaged in it, whether they are or not. We let God be their judge. He took care of the sin of gluttony. But we don't tell somebody gluttony's not a sin. Do you see the difference? Gluttony's taken care of, but gluttony misses the mark. So gluttony, if I was practicing gluttony, I would have to say I do practice that sin because I'm overweight. That's a different topic. But I made that point. So my inordinate desire, sometimes, especially when I was younger, to have multiple sexual female partners, multiple, misses the mark that God has for me. And, but the inclination has been taken care of by Christ because he's paid for all sin, which I am very grateful. And he says those natural uh, um, affectations that you have, Sean, are sinful, but I've taken care of the sin. So you're embraced. I love you. What happens with that is I come to know who Jesus is. I read the word and, and, and everything. And then I'm find myself in my flesh lusting after multiple women, right? And so what it does is it says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me? And that brokenness in me for having that proclivity in my flesh makes me return to Jesus and God humbly and to say, I need your help because my flesh is rising up again. And you, I know you've taken care of it, and I know that I'm not in, under condemnation because of it. And if I get really weak and I choose to go grab 30 babes and go to Vegas with them, if that's what I choose to do, I know I've been forgiven past, present, and future by you. But, oh, wretched man that I am, that I continue to want the babes, right? You got that? Homo some homosexuals, not all, demand that Christians say homosexuality is not a sin. What that does is, one, it's absolutely incorrect. It misses the mark. God gave us the mark when he created man and woman in the Garden of Eden. If Eve had been a lesbian and Adam a, a, a homosexual or a gay man, 
the human race would never have prop propagated. But he created Adam and Eve with parts that fit to create children. That's the mark. That's the mark. You deviate outside of that, you are missing the mark. I don't care what you say. It doesn't matter how, much, how gay you feel. It doesn't matter how, how much you want gay to be right. It misses the mark, Benny. Homosexuality is a sin. So is almost everything I do. And everything I'm about, and anybody in my audience right now probably has their own sins too, that they constantly have to deal with. For some people, it's gossip. For some people, it's being mean. For you, it's you want to have sex with other men, Benny. You have to deal with that. That's your lot. And you don't get to say, it's not a sin. It just can't be. It is. And what God does is he says, I love Benny's heart. That guy was born gay. He recognizes that as sin in his flesh. But he's humble and he loves me and he's turning his life to me and I'm going to deal with Benny. And you know what he did with Paul? He said, Paul, I'm not going to take the thorn in your side away from you. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. So you're going to have to live your life with the thorn that you prayed three times to get rid of. You're going to have to live your life with that thorn walking around, buddy. And Benny, he might say to you, you've got to have to just live with being born gay. You bring it to me, we'll talk. I may fix it. I may not. But you admit that that's what it is, and you put your faith and trust in me. It's never going to fly, at least not in this show, not as long as I have breath. It's never going to fly that people get to take their particular uh, sinful natures and justify them. We want to justify them because to live in that tenuous relationship with God where we are sinful and we know it is so brutally painful. So what we do is we say, we're just going to wipe this right off the sin table and just say it's not, it's not a sin at all. And then God loses that chance to use your failure in your flesh to keep you humble and to keep you crying out for his help. He's already forgiven you, Benny, just like he's already forgiven me. He's forgiven all of us. That's why he gave his son. But we don't get that luxury to walk around and demand that an act that is clearly off the mark is not sinful. And I'm telling you this in love. So don't go and stop labeling me as a homophobic. I'm not afraid of homosexuals at all. I will kiss one on the mouth. I'm not, I've, I'm not homophobic. There's no phobia. I've undressed straight all my clothes in front of a gay couple at the gym, talking to them freely, engaging while we're talking, and they're checking me out. I'm not homophobic, Benny. But if they said to me, Sean, you're a pastor, do you believe homosexuality is a sin? I would say the Bible says it misses the mark that God has created for this life. Are we going to heaven? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Then of course. And that's all it is, Benny. So get off your little soapbox 
and trying to get everybody to, you know, play along with, oh, he's gay, we've got to love his sin, and, and say gay's, gay's not being a sin. Just come on, get with the program, you know? You really love Jesus, Benny? Show him by being humble, all right? All right. Ever since meeting with James, I have been thinking about Jesus and God and the Trinity. And uh, I had a thought last week that I was, as I was preparing for milk, uh, that I, I I'm going to flush out on the board for you. I did it with milk, so if you watch that, I'm sorry for the redundancy. I, I'm doing so so you can see a little bit of how I see God and Jesus. And it, it, uh, it revealed itself as I was studying through the Word uh, these past few weeks. So let me just tell you a couple things. From the beginning and through the Old Testament, we read of one God. Jesus tells us that one God is spirit. In the very first, uh, second chapter of Genesis, uh, we read, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So right there in the second chapter of Genesis, we have the breath of life. It says the spirit brooded upon the face of the deep in the very first chapter of Genesis. So we have Jesus telling us that God's a spirit, and then we have the spirit engaged in the very first chapters of Genesis, right? We also know that the one God not only breathes, anthropomorphically breathes spirit, breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, he also speaks words with his, uh, uh, what we would say is an anthropomorphic mouth. I don't believe God who is spirit has a mouth with lips and teeth and tongue, but I believe that he speaks. How that is, I don't know. And we know that it says in Genesis 1, and God said, verse 3, God said, verse 3, God said, let there be light. You, when you say something, you're using words, let there be light, and there was light. So he both speaks and he breathes. This God, this one God, that's what we have in the Old Testament. Ephesians 3.9 says, and to make come and see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. In Genesis, we have God said, let there be light. God said, uh, separate this. God said this. God said that. And it was. And here we hear in, in Ephesians 3.9 that he did this by Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh. So by God's words, he created all things. And those words became flesh. This is how I'm starting to, uh, not starting to, this is how I see God and Jesus. It says in Hebrews 11:3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's what it says. The, wor the, wor the worlds were framed by the word of God. And then we read in Ephesians 3:9 that God created all things by Jesus Christ. And so we can put those together. God's words that created all things. God said, let there be light. He created all things by Jesus Christ, the, the, the man who became Jesus Christ. The Word was in him. That's how I see it. That's how I explained it. Trinity expert James White plainly says Jesus the Christ was not a pre-incarnate man. He, that's when he gave my first high five. That's not what he, we can't see him as a pre-incarnate little bearded Jesus. No, we don't see him as the little junior son of God. No. So I see him as the Word of God. The origins of Jesus are interesting to me because it says in John 8, 42, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. 
Just like breath comes from God, just like words come from the one God, Jesus said, I proceeded forth and came from, came from God. I see him as coming from the one God, as God's words. That, that, so, and, and, and in John 16, 27, Jesus said, For the Father uh, himself loveth you because you have loved me and believe that I came out from God. I came out from God. And then in John 16, 30, it says, Now we are sure that, that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. This is a profession. That Jesus Christ, the man, came from God. And Jesus said, you know, no man ascends to the Father, but he that came from heaven. No one ascends to heaven, but came from heaven. I'm, I'm the only one. I am from above. You're from beneath. He's the only one that came from God. God's only human son. We read in Revelation with the origins of the Spirit. It says in their three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered them. The spirit of life from God. So we have God's words coming from him. We have the spirit coming from him. And those words were made flesh and dwelled among us. All right. It seems to me that when we start talking about God, we start seeing some commonalities in the early words of the New and Old Testament, uh, in the, of the Old Testament. And those words uh, help us to understand who God is. So let me, uh, let me show you this. I'm going to get up and use the board for a second. When I read the scripture, I see that it tells us, gives us a description of God with different words. So we're going to use this box right here, and we're going to say it describes God. This, I'm just going to go through, and these are seven, I think, three, whatever. And it says in Deuteronomy, and I'll just read it really quickly. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth. A God of truth. So we know that Deuteronomy says that God is truth. He associates truth with God. God is truth. In Isaiah 61.1, it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek and has sent me to bind the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. So I am going to add that God is liberty. God is freedom. God brings liberty to the captives. The next one in John, 1 John 1, 5. And this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. So here's another one. God is light. All right. Now there are several, uh, not se there's like, uh, I think five God is phrases in scripture. God is, and it gives us a word. The other ones have to kind of be abstracted out of the content. So God is light is one of those. Then we have Hebrews gives us another one. Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is, what? A consuming fire. So we know that God is a fire, a consuming fire. We're getting, Jesus said in John, listen, uh, this is life eternal to know God, the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's life eternal. Right now we're getting some of the, most concise explanations of who God is through the scripture. 
All right? And he is fire. So we go on, and God is spirit. John 4, 24, God is spirit, Jesus says. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we have another one. Knowing his spirit, throwing away any uh, human God form that the, like the LDS Mormons teach, that God has a, is in a body of flesh and bone. God is spirit. It's clear. He's a spirit that's a consuming fire who is light, who gives liberty and brings truth. This is what our God is. Okay? And then we go, 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Ready? Here's another God is. For God is love. So we know that he is also love. Somehow his love fits in the form with these things as well. And then finally, Mark 12, 27. He is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living or life. So I looked at that and I thought that's interesting. And then I looked at well, you know, what happens when we look at this to try to understand God's word relative to Scripture? Is God, can God's word or words be described in the same categories? Is God's word the truth? Does God's word bring liberty? Is God's word light? Can we make associations? Well, let me read them to you and you tell me. So the first one is John 17, 17. Jesus says to his apostles, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the words that come out of him are him. I mean, God is truth. His word is truth. Truth is truth, right? And then we go to John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So, the, so it brings liberty. His word, you shall know the truth. How do you know the truth? You know the truth by and through the word and through the spirit. So we have a, a, an intermingling of these concepts. We go to light. Psalms 119.105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. His word is a light. And then we go uh, to Jeremiah 29. But his, Jeremiah says, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. So we know from Jeremiah that his word is, works as a fire shut up in his bones. Then uh, Ephesians 6.17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Spirit, word, same thing. And then we get to love. 1 John 5.3, uh, For this is the love of God. This one's a little hard. I had to reach for this, but I think it's there. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Well, how do we know his commandments? We know his commandments from his word. He speaks his commandment. When he speaks it, he says, if you keep his commandments, we love him. So they're connected in scripture. And then finally, 1 John 1, 1, that which was, this is how, this is what John says. Of course, he's talking about Christ, which leads us into our final category. But he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, which uh, we have handled with our hands, the word of life. 
the word of life. So we have it uh, also echoed, word and life. And now let's see, does this all relate to Jesus? Because that was my question as I've searched. How does Jesus, God, relate to the word, to Trinity, to these, to these different things? How can I see, am I seeing Jesus wrong, in other words? And so we go to the descriptions of Jesus, and what did he say? It's even more profound. It's even more profound. God's word made flesh. And what does it say in John 14, 6? Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is the truth. His word is the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I see it as Jesus being God in the flesh. That's how I see it. That he is his word made flesh. He go on, liberty. Jesus said, if the Son shall make you free, you will be free indeed. That's John 8, 36. Jesus said, when it comes to him being light, I am the light of the world. God is light. We read that's one of the is's. God is light. And he says, I'm the light of the world. Why? He's in flesh. And he came into this world incarnate like us, bringing God's light to all of us. That's how I see it. You move on. Matthew, is he fire? Uh, when John the Baptist came in Matthew uh, 3.11, just listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and baptize you with water, and I'm not even worthy to tie the shoes of the guy who's coming after me, to use our language. Uh, he says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. So he came baptizing with fire. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is the only human being to ever walk the earth that was born of the Spirit. In fact, Luke tells us that is what he is the product of, not the Father. The, he, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived. So Jesus is born of the Spirit, but also born of the flesh. And he has that dual nature with which we agree to. Love, 1 John 2.10. He that loveth his brother abides in the light and there is no other occasion of stumbling in him. He that loves his brother abides in the light. I would suggest that God is love. Jesus operated in nothing but love, loving his brother so much he gave his life. And that's how I would connect him to being love coming to town, taking on flesh, giving his life. And finally, life itself, it says in John 6:33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life to the world. We can also look at uh, uh, John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in that, this is why I have um, some difficulty separating out uh, the way I used to think of it. I've improved with this being uh, God the Father and this being Jesus before the world was and this being... Holy Spirit, uh, I have a hard time with this Trinitarian view. For me, there is one God and always has been. And when he speaks, 
everything that he is is manifested. And when he took on flesh, everything that he is is manifested. There is one and they are represented. However, he, the man Jesus of Nazareth, did go through everything we do as God in the flesh, overcoming it for us and taking on his, uh, on, and, and then inheriting everything that his father had. So let me just summarize it. Still, I see it, one God only, called the Father, and he filled the man Jesus. One Lord, Savior, and King only, the man Jesus Christ, God with us. And the Spirit of God only, called the Holy Spirit, called the Spirit of God, called the Spirit of Christ, uh, interchangeably in Scripture. The Spirit of God is one the same. They're all one God, all uncreated, all co-eternal, all uh, God himself. So let me finalize it with just this, and we will uh, open up the phone lines. In fact, let's open them up now, 801-590-8413, Here, we say that Jesus, the Lord, is God with us in the man Jesus Christ. The incarnation of God's word in the man Jesus Christ did many things for you to consider. Uh, God passed himself into the human experience. He was God with us. I see it as that. Uh, God understood suffering of man in and through his only human son. God understood the suffering of man. God took his word and gave it human form. God took his word and gave it human form before he wrote in stone. Now he wrote on his own son who came and had the word of God abiding in him. And then he writes his word on our flesh, the fleshy tables of our hearts. God was able to perfectly relate for the first time in history with a human being, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, his only begotten son. God was able to make propitiation through his son for the sins of the world. A human being was, perf was able to perfectly relate to God perfectly relate to God, Jesus Christ. We got that from him becoming incarnate. Uh, God was able to overcome the world by his son's obedience and his shed blood. God was able to have physical victory over Adam's sin through his son who took on flesh. God was able to have spiritual victory over Satan's reign who got the title deed to the world when Adam fell. Jesus, the second Adam, came and took it back from him and through his son, God got it back through a very legal judicious way, if you want to put it that way, uh, God obtained a worthy heir for all of his material and spiritual kingdom through and through his son, our mediator to the father. Man was invited to become joint heirs with God's only son. We don't talk about it at all. That is a key factor in the faith that we through faith become joint heirs with his son. That's the reason God's word became flesh. God was able to rightfully now reign over the hearts of man by his son's shed blood through the spirit. Humankind, we were given a Lord, a savior, and a king. You know, King David, he, he, that's who Jesus came out of, and the Jews revered King David. King David was called Lord, he was called Savior, he was called King. He was a type and shadow for Christ to come, but he was never called King uh, David God. He was never called God because that wasn't his thing. He was the Lord, Savior, and King over the people. That's what Jesus is. But he wasn't called God himself when he was walking this earth. That's why Jesus didn't say it of himself either. 
uh, humankind, uh, instead of instructions, uh, we, instead of receiving more instructions, we received an example that we read about in Scripture. And he brings all that God is to everyone who wants God, anyone who's seeking him. So many uh, unfathomable things that uh, God did through his son, Christ Jesus, God with us, our Lord, Savior, and King. So when Jesus of Nazareth asked the Father, give me the glory I had with you before I was with you, we know that Jesus was simply saying, let me enter back in now as a man who's been here 33 years and is about to die on the cross and, and, and be resurrected. Let me enter back in with the glory your word was before. We tend to think of it as small uh, Jesus over there going back. And I just don't see it that way. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Chew on that. Let me know if you have any realizations or uh, disputes. Love to hear them because that's how we grow. Not saying it's right. Just saying that that's how I see it ever since talking with uh, James uh, here on the show. Do we have any calls? Yeah, let's see, check a spot and we'll come back and take that call and then get out of Dodge. This is Mallory. Mallory is from California. She is most inspired by all things harmonic. She is the mother of two boys. She is also Sean's daughter. Mallory's done some pretty cool things. Mallory puts the word of God to music. This is Steve. Steve has been in some pretty cool bands. He has his favorite scripture tattooed on his arm. He wears bow ties and he tells dad jokes and he thinks they're really funny. Steve shreds on the guitar. Mallory and Steve are two very different people with one very important purpose, to create art for God. If you're so inclined to check them out, remember their names and go here. All right, check those out, and we're going to go to Vernon in Washington. Vernon, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Howdy. Howdy, partner. Okay, pretty good. Um, my question is, um, you had mentioned that uh, they are one God, mm -hmm. and you briefly mentioned uh, the Trinity. 
Yeah. So my question is, uh, how do you explain the Trinity? I don't, and I can't, and that's why I have trouble with it and am, am criticized for it, because I, I don't necessarily embrace creedal Trinitarianism in my mind. Okay, and what do you mean by that, uh, creedal? Uh, I, I don't know. That. Uh, what I mean by that is what was developed uh, by the creeds to explain God, I think that they are limited in their capacity to fully explain him and in those gaps of limitation I think that there's more that that we don't shouldn't limit ourselves to I mean more that we 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 need to include and think about and so using that term to me is a thought-killing cliche when you say oh I'm a Trinitarian everyone just automatically to me in my world thinks Father Son Father God uh, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and uh, three separate persons from all eternality, co-created, co-equal, using the language of the creeds, and I have trouble with some of those, some of that language. Okay, um, are you saying then that there's uh, manifestations of God? Is yeah. that what you're saying? I, I, I would be more inclined... And some people call it modalism. It's not, it's not monarchism. It's not Sabellianism. But I'd be more inclined to consider myself somewhat of a modalist. Uh, I, but there's caveats to that, too, because I do know that Scripture does describe Jesus and the Spirit and the Father as having their own noose or mind. So, uh, but because they have their own mind, to me, does not mean that they are anything more than one God. Okay, so you're not saying that um, uh, modal, uh, Trinitarians, there's three gods? You're saying that they don't have their own separate minds or their own separate wills? No, I think... they're all I, one will? I think Trinitarianism teaches separate... So I'm in agreement with Trinitarianism on three separate minds. But where my difference is, from what I understand, Trinitarians will say, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have separate minds, that means they're uh -huh. separate persons, like me, Fred, and Jim. And I do not see the three separate persons the way it's been described to me. Okay, in Scripture, in uh, Acts... Um there's Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit, which you've probably been over a thousand times. Uh, how would you explain that? Um, if it's not uh, they're separate persons, how can they lie to the Holy Spirit, which is one of the persons in the, the Trinity? I think you can lie to the Holy Spirit, and like it says in those passages, they lied to God. Lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. Uh, the fact that they lied to the Holy Spirit, to me, does not mean the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Godhead, co-eternal, co-created, uh, separate from the Father and Son as me, Jim, and Joe. Okay. Uh, I, I don't understand what you're, what you're saying right there, because uh, the only way thing that you can lie to would be a person. Well, what? I don't. I don't see it as a force or. He's lying to God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. You lie to the Spirit. You're lying to the person of God. So the person of God, then, are you saying is the Father? Yes. That the person of God is the Father only, 
The person of God is God, singular, and became the Father when His Word took flesh. Became the Father. Right. Oh, you do believe it. You're, you're a modalist then. Yeah, I would be closely uh, aligned with modalism. But the difference is, I do believe that there are separate minds. And it, look, at it, it's, it's really mincing words. What my overall objective is, Vern, is that in the body, we allow people to say, I believe that there is in God, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, and, and to not force people to say, I accept the Trinity uh, as, as my God. I just believe we should have the right in the faith to have that liberty. And it's not there. What is there is absolute crucifixion if anyone questions the Trinity. And I think it's become an icon made of man that is not fully understood even by Trinitarians. Uh, earlier on your um, uh, drawing, yeah. you had Jesus physically, you had the Father physically, and then you had the Spirit as um, like a cloud. Uh, how do you understand the Father? The Father is, you said earlier, the Father is not physical, but yet you drew him as a physical person uh, like you did Jesus. I don't understand that. It was just because I, I did that because that's how most people would describe the Trinity unless they are a scholar or unless they've done a lot of study. If you ask somebody to draw or explain the Trinity, they would say, well, there's Father God, and, and you know, and, and just it's just a representation. I just clearly explained, though, before that, Vern, in Scripture it says he's spirit. So don't let the little drawing confuse you. Oh. Okay. Okay. And then another question would be, um, uh, when are you going to debate Matt Slick again? You know, uh, or, or Matt, have that work out? Matt and I, I, I I'm not going to debate anybody ever again. Uh, I love Matt Slick, and uh, I understand him personally, and and, mm -hmm. I, and and so I would love to talk with Matt anytime. The problem is, and I, I've said this to Matt's face, Matt mm -hmm. Slick is, brings a shtick, and the shtick trumps just dialogue. The shtick is his quick, witty responses and ability to recite passages verbatim ad nauseum, and it just trumps a simple dialogue that people can have. And so that's the reason Matt and I have difficulty sometimes when we get together, because his shtick takes place, in my opinion, of just talking with each other as, as people. But I love Matt, and he's always welcome on this show, and he told me he would think about coming on some other time. Okay. Now, you say um, his stick. Would, would the stick be like a rule, a ruler, uh, the word of no. God, because when I listen to him and I listen to you, uh, I hear a lot of the scriptures, like you say, coming out, which uh, authenticates the things that he says. Yeah. Uh, so I, no. I, I think you're a little bit harsh on him, uh, stick. No, stick. Because, um, stick, uh, like. It, it's the word of God. No, no, no. It's, uh, how do I say this more? Stick. S C H T I C K. Oh, okay, gotcha. I thought you meant like no, a stick. Not, not the rule. No, no, no. I have no problem okay. with the Word of God. No, no, no. It's he, he has, and he knows it. He'll laugh. When I say, Matt, you're bringing your stick again, he laughs at me because he knows it's true. <laughs> he knows uh, what works on stage. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, um, I forgot. What was your name again? It's Sean. Sean. Yep. Um, the only reason that I'm talking to you right now is because you had it on YouTube live. <laughs> and I was just going through, and I said, no, let me check out YouTube. And I've got it on the TV. The wife and I are watching, so uh, I appreciate that. You know, maybe the Lord's re maybe the Lord's reaching out to you to think about some of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. Uh, so you're on uh, Tuesday nights, then. Yeah, Tuesday night, eight to nine every week. Okay, and that's Pacific time. Yeah. No, no, no it's mountain time. Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Okay. We're one hour Alrighty. ahead of Washington, I think. Yep. Derek says yep. Yeah. All right, brother. Okay, Sean. Thanks for um, calling. Go ahead. What, would you, what were you saying? I said thanks for calling and watching. You're welcome. Uh, having that phone number right there on the uh, screen makes it easy. All right. And I'll tell Seth. And listen, we have archives. We've got uh, probably 600 hour-long shows. And Matt is on the, uh, the, the shows quite a bit. So uh, you check them out. See what you think. Okay. And also, um, have you been in contact with... Um, Oh, Alpha and Omega, James White? Uh, no, all I did was uh, send him a text and said, thank you for uh, coming. You were gracious and kind, and we appreciate it. And I haven't heard anything back. Okay. Mm. All righty. Well, I appreciate, um, you know, stirring up uh, uh, the word, um, yeah. and sending it out. Uh, people can be saved, and that's the Great Commission. Amen, brother. God bless you. So, all righty, take care. Talk bye -bye. to you later. Bye-bye. Let's go to Justin in Illinois. Justin in Illinois. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, uh, I just had a question for you, kind of talking about the Trinity a little bit tonight. Hey, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, just wonder if you can kind of clear up. Uh, it says that, and God said, let us make man in our image. Uh, I was just kind of wondering if you could kind of clear that up with uh, kind of your view of of God and kind of put yeah. that within, if you could kind of clear that up a little bit. Yeah, Justin, there are, if memory serves, uh, uh, four places in the entire, uh, it might be three, in the entire Old Testament where that phrase is used, let us. Uh, opposing that, there are hundreds, maybe even more in the thousands of God saying, God said, singular, singular, singular. The let us is thought of as being answered in a couple ways. One is, it's like King's English. When a king speaks, he says, let us travel to uh, Ireland this week and have French fries on the coast. Let us okay. go. Yeah, so that's one way that uh, it was uh, believed to be translated. The other way, which is the way I believe, is that he's talking to the heavenly hosts uh, that are helping him in the administration on earth of the, of the people. And so he's talking to the angels. And uh, we've covered that in actually a campus gathering. Uh, and I can't give you all the details, but we covered it at length. And that argument's really, really sound because of the context of those four passages where let us is used. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, great, man. Hey, hey, I love your show, man. I love your work. And uh, I thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thanks for calling, brother. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. All right. God bless. You, God bless you. Bye. We, uh, every time I see Illinois, 
we, when we were on TV here, we had a guy from Illinois call. His name was John O'Fallon. And when I see Illinois, I automatically think he's coming back. And I just wonder, I, I, I just kind of, there's a little cringe. Uh, I think we lost contact. Uh, oh, Michael in Oklahoma. Let's go to Michael. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Michelle? Yeah, I, I love watching Michelle. I'm a great, I'm a big fan of it. Awesome. Thanks for watching. Uh, yes, uh, I wanted to say uh, one thing that um, your stuff on here is amazing. Like the way you go about it, and about how you go about like talking about God and how he's one person. That's kind of what I believe. You see. Because I, I kind of see what, what everyone is talking about. And, like, I get a lot of, like, ridicule from my friends sometimes that are believing the other way. And it's just I, I get all upset when, when they hurt or when they kind of make me feel hurt and stuff. So Don't let them yeah. hurt you, Michelle. Oh, you're talking too loud. Seth is in there holding his ears. He says you're talking too loud, Michelle. Oh, sorry. But I actually like it. I, I usually can't hear the caller, so forget about Seth. <laughs> Scream. I apologize. I'm, I'm already hearing myself, so I don't mean to be so loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, what I was trying to say, I, I'm sorry, I'm so full of energy, but I was trying to say that I love your show. You are amazing, and I oh. believe in God as one person, and when my friends pick on me, it's like they try to say, oh, he's actually three, and it's like makes me kind of feel bad. It's like, eh, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's kind of a whatever, and we'll all learn, won't we, when we all die and go beyond. Exactly, exactly. So. Don't let him, don't let him hurt you. I'm sorry, say again? Don't let him hurt you, Michelle. I won't. And I'm sorry for calling you Michael, but our screener wrote Michael. Well, you sound like a, a good-looking Michael. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. I'm just, uh, it's just part of how my voice is. I'm sorry. No, don't be I'm sorry. Fine. Hey, thanks for watching, my friend. God bless you. You too, man. I'll keep watching every week. Okay, we'll see you later. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Next week, remember uh, Pastor Nathaniel Taylor of Hidden Valley Church here from Draper, uh, a... Uh, uh, Five-point Calvinist, definitely set in how to do church, and he's coming to, to defend uh, the way that they do church and how it is the best way on the face of the earth compared to what we say is, and I look forward to that discussion. Keep the Polans in your prayers, and uh, anybody else, of course, who's suffering. They're uh, suffering greatly, of course, the loss of, of Andy, and we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.